0: Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our
1: community. Good morning. Right, that was okay, but the, the the eight o'clock service was pretty loud. Let's try again. Good morning. <laughs> My name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at The Vine. If, if I've not had a chance to meet you I'm specifically, welcome. And, and it's such a joy for all of us to gather together um, in this Christmas season, uh, this, this Advent season. And when we come together at Christmas and at Advent, uh, you know, we, we talk about this, this little baby who was born to be king. We talk about him, him bringing peace. Um, we, we start to hear all these things about him and we think, yeah, this is good in our minds and our hearts. If we've been around the church, We think this is a really good thing um, when we come together uh, during this Christmas and Advent season. But I want you to think about it this way. We spend a lot of time outdoors these days. Um, Let's say you're sitting in a park. You don't know me, never met me, don't know who I am. And so me, this stranger comes walking up to you and says, hey, your king is here. Your new king is here. Now, you might think I'm crazy to start with. You might even ask, wait, my king, do you mean a king from another country? What, what country did this king come from? But, but, I, but I implore you to say, no, no, this, your king is here. You have a new king. He's a new ruler here. And this ruler, he is going to come and he's going to tell you what you can do with your life. He's going to tell you what career you can have. This new ruler, this new king, he's going to tell you um, what, what your kids are going to do when they grow up. He's going to tell you that if you can make this amount of money and if you make more than that, you're going to have to give it to him. And he's going he's to rule and reign in the way that he wants to. And he's not really even going to be that good for his people. If I come in and I start talking to you like that in a park, again, other than you thinking I'm crazy, um, we, we as Americans hear that. And we hear talk of a king, we're like, yeah, no, no, thank you. We fought against that. We we ran from that. Uh, We don't don't want that anymore. But as we come this morning um, to this passage, the passage says, is showing us that the king Jesus is here. And and all throughout God's word, all throughout the Bible, it it shows us that, that this is a good thing for us. And so our passage, I just read it a moment ago, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Um, I'm not going to read it again right now. We'll read some of it as we go. Um, But in this this time together today, we want to see that the King Jesus is here and that that is a good thing for us. But again, if you've grown up in the church, you just kind of hear this and you think, yeah, we know. We sing songs about it. We talk about it. We revisit it at least once a year. We got it. But the people who are hearing this story for the first time, they they didn't get it. Those that Matthew was writing the story to, they didn't get it. The main characters in the story, this, this true story, the magi, the wise men, so the people of Israel, the religious leaders of the Jews, Herod the king, they didn't get it. You see, in, the, in Jerusalem, for the people of Israel, there had been a long period of silence since they had last heard God through the prophets. It had been around 400 years since they had last heard from God. And so from their perspective, from the, the general public, there is no story here. A simple baby had been born to a young tradesman and his wife in, in Bethlehem. And so from, from, for those in Jerusalem... This is a non-event. And now, somewhere around two years later, during the reign of Herod the king, wise men from the east show up, telling the leaders, telling the Jewish people, your true king has been born. The good king, the one who will fulfill all the prophecies. He's been born. He is here. I don't know about you, but if you think about it for a minute, and you're those Jewish people, you're probably, the first thing you're going to think is, who are these guys? Who are these guys that are coming and telling us the king is here? Have you ever been sitting in a restaurant and, and you're having a passionate discussion with someone who's with you? And, and this passionate discussion, you're going back and forth. And, and in this passionate discussion, all of a sudden, back pre-COVID days when tables were closer, um, someone sitting beside you looks over and interjects themselves into the conversation. And especially if they take the side of the person you're having the passionate discussion with, uh, but you're kind of like, who are you and what are you talking? why are you talking to us right now? You kind of feel that way. I think that's kind of how the people in Jerusalem feel at this point. Because here's some foreigners that have come in and they're telling They're they're, they're saying, your king is here. Who are they? Who are these foreigners? Well, we don't know much. We know they're magi, which literally means great or powerful ones. We know they're from the east. They're not from the people of God. The Jews, we call them Gentiles. Gentiles. And it's very very likely that there are more than three of them. It's it's more likely that it's a small group that's traveling together. It's highly likely then that that their presence along this small group of important guys who aren't from around here are causing quite a stir in Jerusalem. And so picture that scene. You picture the scene that here's a group of foreigners seeming to be very important people, and they're coming in and saying, Asking the question, where is your baby king? The people of Jerusalem have no idea. The people of Jerusalem are like, what are you talking about? You would think if a king was born, that the people would know that, right? You would think if a king was born, they'd be excited about that. But they had missed it. They missed the one who was going to be king different from any other earthly king. And we see how he was different um, as, as Herod goes to the Jewish leaders in verse 4 to ask where the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was promised, the, the, one, the one they were looking forward was to be born. He, he goes to them and he asks that. And they tell in their answer in verses 5 and 6, we see how this one was going to be different. Because the Jewish leaders quote from Micah chapter 2 in verse 5 and 6. And they tell him, the promised one, the Messiah, the king who will be born in Bethlehem, who will rule over Israel, he is going to shepherd his people. Now all throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel would understand this imagery. This imagery of a shepherd. Because all throughout the Old Testament... When God talked about the way, even how he would rule his people, how he would care for his people, he talked about being the shepherd. Later, Jesus is called the good shepherd in in the New Testament. But but this shepherd would protect from those who were coming in to try to destroy the flock. This shepherd would nourish the sheep. He would guard the sheep. He would take care of the sheep. Jesus is what this king that's coming was coming to be a king that was a shepherd. And a good shepherd. He was going to nourish his own. He is going as a shepherd king to bring peace among his flock. He's going to take care of them. He's going to defeat all the enemies of those who would seek to destroy them spiritually. Matthew, the author, uses specific details of the events to show the hearers and the readers that even though all that had happened had been prophesied about. Even though the Jewish people, the religious people, had gathered all the information, they'd studied it, they'd analyzed it, they have gone over and over it, they were missing the reality that the promised king had been born. And then there's a stark contrast. Because these Gentiles, these outsiders, these Important people from another land. They had very little information, but they believed he was king. They believed he was here. They trusted that even though they didn't fully understand it, they trusted it was a good thing. What about you this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is king? That he's here, that that's a good thing. You see, if if you don't believe that Jesus is here, that Jesus is the king, the one who's ruler over all things, the one who came to the world to make things right and new, to save his people from their sin and brokenness. The the Nichols this morning um, in the um, call to worship video did a great job. Um, And they asked that question of what is original sin? And, and original sin uh, gives it causes us to have the inability to do, what, to do what's good, right? That, that's a part of that, that definition of original sin. And that brought brokenness between us and God. But Jesus came to bring peace with God by, by paying the penalty for our sin, to bring peace with God for, the, for those who've been separated from him. But, but if you don't believe this today, I want to ask you, what what more information or what more experience do you think you need to believe this is true today? What more do you think you need to believe he is king, to believe he is here, to believe that this is good for you? I want to ask you today. If you are a follower of Jesus or or not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to do the same thing, both of, of everybody. That covers everyone, by the way. Will you ask him to give you faith to believe that he is king and he is here this morning? I'm not saying you feel like it right now. But I'm asking you, will you ask him to give you the faith to believe that today? And will you ask him to give you the faith to believe that he is a good, gracious, loving king in all he does for the good of his people? All he does is for the good of his people. Even if you can't see that today. If you do that, and let's say you do that and you begin to have this faith that we're talking about. What do you think might change? What response do you think we might have as he grows our faith? You may think of words like gratitude, thankfulness, hope, joy. A list. I could keep naming some. And I think all those are great responses. And I think they can be summed up in one of the responses we see from this passage today. So that's response. Response number one is, If if he's growing our faith and we believe this, then we worship him. We see that in the way the wise men, the the, the Gentiles respond. So, how do they worship him? First, they worship him by believing he is king. Look at verse 2. It says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I've already said the wise men and the Magi, they didn't have a ton of information. They didn't know it all. But his star was shown to them and God used the information they had to cause them to believe that Jesus, the king, is here. And so they, they believed and they worshiped as they believed. They also worshiped him by pursuing him. That's the second part of verse two. Whereas he who has been born the king of the Jews for we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. They didn't simply believe and then do nothing. Their hearts were moved, and they went to find him. They went to pursue him. They went to know him more deeply, personally, so that they could worship him. And finding him brought them great joy as the star rested over the home he was in. Look at verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And Pastor John reminded me this morning, as we were talking about this before the services, that they rejoiced exceedingly with great, or it's the, it's the word we use, with mega joy. With, with, and I use like monstrous joy, huge joy. They rejoiced. They also worshiped him by honoring him. Look at verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they'd offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Once they found Jesus, these important men, these men who probably thought pretty highly of themselves, they fell down before a toddler and worshiped him. And they brought treasures. And we see in these treasures another part of, of worshiping him. They brought gold. Gold that was reserved for honoring a king. They brought incense. Frankincense is what it says in the, in the passage. This, in, in all sorts of cultures of the day, this was used in worship and prayers towards all the gods, including in, the, in Jerusalem. And so they, they recognize something that everyone else doesn't see. And they bring incense for, for prayer to him. And then they bring myrrh. This one tells us a lot. Do You know what myrrh was used for? You remember when Jesus was on the cross? And they said, uh, they, they offered him when he was in pain, they offered him wine, a drink mixed with myrrh. You know why? It was to deaden the pain. It was dead, to deaden the pain. Jesus refused it. Myrrh was also used in the embalming of a body. So myrrh acknowledges the fact, and we don't know what spurred them on to bring these things, but it acknowledges the fact that Jesus, this little toddler king, had also come to die. To some degree, they realized who Jesus was, who Jesus is. I want you to remember something right here. He's still a toddler. Jesus has done absolutely nothing for them yet. He hasn't done anything for them yet. But they worship him because he is the king, and in some way they understand he is the savior. He is the rescuer. He is the hero. And if we really believe that about Jesus, we will begin to worship him even when we're not sure how the things he is doing and allowing are for our good. But if we only worship him for what he's done, now, don't misunderstand me. We should worship him for what he's done. We should do that. But if we stop there, if we only worship him for what he's done, And not who he is, then we're worshiping God based on our circumstances, based on our qualifications of what makes him worthy of our worship or worthy of our submission to him. But when we worship him for who he is, in addition to what he's done, we begin to have our hearts changed, to look to him as our rescue, to look to him as our savior. We begin to realize that, that he's for us, even when it doesn't feel like it. And that will change us. Many of you know um, that for about three, four years, uh, my wife really struggled with health, couldn't do a lot for herself. Um, and it was a very broken and humbling time for us. And during that, too many of you were in that with us. Um, And and during that time, though, as it started, I I wanted to fix it. I wanted to save her from it. And if I'm honest, I wanted to save myself from it, too. I wanted to do anything I could possibly do to make it better. Nothing I did seemed to be working. And she reminded me one day Tim, I love you. I'm thankful for you. But you're not my hero. Jesus is my hero. Keep pointing me to Jesus. I'm thankful today to say, I wish I could say I get that right all the time, but I'm thankful today to be able to say that worshiping Him as the hero during that time has changed us, has changed something deep in my heart. When we worship Him for who He is, Even in the midst of struggle and hurt and pain, it will change us. But when we don't ask him for this faith to believe that he is king, to believe that he is here, to believe that this is a good thing, then we see a much different response in our lives. That's the second response in the story. Because what happens is we fear what this means for us. We see it with Herod and we see it with the people of Jerusalem. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, that a king had been born, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod, he's scared, he's troubled, he's bothered. His power, his authority, they were being threatened. What do you mean there's this new king? That's my job. But they were being threatened. And what does he try to do? We, we talk about this all the time around here. When this thing that he was looking to, to help him, what does he try to do when it's threatened? He tries to take control. He tries to take control. And he has a devious plan. Now, I just watched The Grinch with my kids this weekend. Right? And, when I, and, and I was thinking about it as, as I was watching it. And I'm like... You remember when the Grinch, and he goes, suddenly he had this wonderful, terribly awesome idea, right? And that big smile comes up on his face. Right. When I think of Herod, that's, that's kind of what I think of here. There's this wonderfully terrible, awful idea, this plan that he has. And so he says, he brings the religious leaders in, and he says, where is he to be born? And we looked at that a minute ago, and he told him in the town of Bethlehem. And so then it says in verse 7 that he secretly summons the magi to ask them when the star appeared because he was trying to figure out how old is this king right now. And then he sends them to Bethlehem and he lies and he tries to manipulate these people looking for Jesus and telling them to let him know where the one is so that he can come and worship him as well. Oh, he was willing to do whatever he could to hold on to that power. And that authority that he thought he had. When you don't trust Jesus as the King, as the Savior, as the hero, how do you try to take control? Do you try to lie and manipulate so that you don't lose your power and authority? Or do you try to change someone else so that you don't lose your comfort and security? The second group of people that respond in fear are the people of Jerusalem. At the end of verse three, it tells us that all of Jerusalem along with Herod were troubled as well. And their fear seems to be centered around this. That Their fear seems to be centered around, if this is true, if this news is true that the king, the good king is here, the Messiah, the one that's promised is here, this is going to rock our world. You see, remember that some of them had misunderstood the purpose of the Messiah and and they think that when the Messiah was to come, he was gonna overthrow the the, um, Roman government, overthrow the government that was in charge over them and restore the people of Israel. So what does that mean? You know the phrase, this means war, right? That that this Messiah was coming and, and this was gonna bring war. And it was going to upset so many things in their lives. Now now understand, for 400 years, people had been coming and claiming to be the Messiah among the the Jewish people. They had been claiming to be the promised one. And what happened every time those people came? Their little revolts were squashed out. The people that were involved in it were destroyed, were killed. their, Their stuff taken away. All right, so this is a legitimate fear for the people of Israel at this time, the people of Jerusalem. They're like, okay, here's another one, and it's gonna mess up our lives. Others, I think, wanted to believe that the Messiah was coming, but they didn't think that this little kid of humble beginnings, born to a couple of nobodies, could possibly be the king they were looking for. And it's very likely. That they believed that if they followed a guy like that, who was trying to be king, they too would be destroyed. They had their own agenda. They wanted things their way. They wanted to dictate who and what the Messiah king would be. And the reality is, as followers of Jesus, those of us who believe, who are sitting here this morning say, yeah, I do believe that. I believe he's king. I believe he's here. I believe that's good. We still struggle in our hearts and our actions because there are places in our lives where while we believe that's true, we still want to be the ruler. We still want to be the king in those places in our lives. We haven't turned all those places over to him. And so we still wrestle with fear, desiring for things to go like we want them to, Because we think we know best. We think we should be able to control circumstances and get the outcomes we desire. Earlier in the service, uh, we talked about peace. So some of you may be thinking right now, so if this Jesus is king, he is here for my good, if he is bringing peace, then sign me up. My life is going to get easier. And my wife's prompting, we've been reading stories with our boys, missionary stories. And my wife, many of you, some of you know, um, grew up as a missionary um, in Haiti. And so she thought it'd be a good idea for us to be to read some of these stories that, um, just to, to help the boys see people who have gone before us in the faith. And the first probably five or six stories in there, we've been reading them. Good, you know, there's a miracle happens and God saves his people or he provides for the missionaries or um, he delivers people out of, you know, these, from these tribes that are, that are coming after him and just, just all these different stories. Um, we've, it's like every time you kind of get accustomed to, this is great. This is good. Look what God is doing. This week we were reading one and this story was of A missionary family, a man, his wife, and three kids, and then his good friend, um, who was a single man, who were together ministering to a small tribe um, out in the middle of nowhere. They were seeing people come to believe in Jesus, believe this story, and then some warlords came, guerrillas came, and they said, you were lying to the people, stop lying to the people. And the pastor who had the family, 28-year-old guy said, what, what lies do you believe we're telling? And he said, these things about Jesus and God and this thing you call the Bible and the, these types of things. And, and the pastor and the other pastor, his, his friend said, we, we cannot stop telling of those things. Well, I'm ready now in this story. How's God gonna deliver them this time? Because these guys are here with guns. They intend to kill them. This doesn't look good. And then the guerrillas shoot him. And then they shoot the other guy. And I'm like, okay, so, so somehow God saves him here. Get up, get up. I, I realize I'm conditioned in the story to think, all right, he's getting ready to get up. He's gonna get, get up, get up. But he doesn't. And my wife wisely said, boys, I wanna talk to you about something. She said, Sometimes these stories end up great here on earth. Sometimes the things end up the way we want them to. She said, but these stories remind us that that sometimes they don't. But what does happen, what we can rest in, what we can be assured of, is that those who have peace with God through faith will have eternal peace with God in the new heavens and the new earth. The beauty is, he gives us, even when we don't see it fully here, he gives us glimpses. In Psalm 27, it says, that, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. And he's just said, um, I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living he shows us glimpses. Glimpses in a relationship being restored. Maybe a marriage, maybe with a wayward child. Glimpses as he provides a job when you are at your end. Glimpses as when you don't know how you're going to make ends meet and, he, and something just shows up. And I could give example after Example. This story that we've looked at today and the rest of God's word tells us that spiritually the king is here and he is coming again. He is the hero of the story. He has brought peace between God and his people. And so in just a minute, Karen and and Teresa are gonna come up as we prepare for communion. They're They're gonna sing a song. And I want you to reflect on that And and I want you to, to think about this question. Will you ask him, Jesus, today to give you faith to believe that he is king and that his rule in your life is a good thing? Let me say it one more time. Will you ask Jesus today to give you faith that he is king and that his rule in your life and in every area of it is a good thing?
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.